Hello, and welcome to In Session, a podcast where we speak with changemakers working towards safe, supportive learning environments within their communities. Our guests include state and local education agencies and their partners, all grant recipients from the Department of Education, using their funding to advance school-based mental health services, support mental health service professionals, and establish trauma recovery and prevention programs. I'm Annie, and this is Brianna at the National Center on Safe, Supportive Learning Environments, and we produce In Session. On this episode, we speak with school-based mental health grant recipients from the Rhode Island Department of Elementary and Secondary Education about statewide role-specific professional development as a retention strategy. Our guests include Rosemary Riley Shamat, Associate Director of School Health and Extended Learning and Grant Project Director, and Bianca Carrero. School Health Policy and Program Specialist and Grant Project Manager. All right, thank you both so much for joining us today. Before we jump in, we wanted to give you an opportunity to introduce yourselves and talk a little bit about your background and what we'll be discussing today. Well, um, good morning, Brianna we're, and Annie. We're really delighted to be here. My name is Rosemary Riley Shamat, and I'm the Associate Director for School Health and Extended Learning here at the Rhode Island Department of Education. I've been at the Department of Education for 10 years, and before that, I was at the Rhode Island Department of Health for 26 years. Hi, good morning. My name is Bianca Carrero. I am a school health policy and program specialist at the Rhode Island Department of Education. I'm a licensed independent clinical social worker, and my background is in school social work and school mental health. Thank you both for those introductions. So we know you wanted to tell us a little bit about your statewide role-specific professional development, and particularly how you're using that as a retention strategy. So as our first question, can you maybe just describe what this program or initiative looks like? Sure. So I, I'd like to start off by sharing a little bit of kind of the, the macro view. And we began our work in um, school-based mental health in 2018 when we had the opportunity to apply for a USDOE School Climate Transformation Grant and a SAMHSA Project AWARE grant. And from the very beginning, we have grounded our work in a multi-tiered system of support framework. And uh, we really feel like that has been key to our uh, success in building capacity at the state level, as well as with the LEAs that we're working with. And we were very fortunate to secure USDOE funding for the school-based mental health professional grants in FY20 and FY23. And uh, Rhode Island was actually one of, of two states that uh, received funding in um, both awards. So we really feel very grateful and we're quite proud of that. And we're able to work in seven districts as a result of those two awards. We have a current portfolio of seven grants that are related to mental health uh, in schools. We have a state level MTSS team where we work with the people within our department who are overseeing the grants that we have, as well as our state systems of support initiative, which is another uh, piece of RIDE, but it's the professional development arm of our multi-tiered systems of support work. We worked 
in developing initially a district practice profile where we include the essential components of a multi-tiered system of support framework. We've piloted it in the field among um, school administrators and with school teams, and we're going to be releasing it at the end of this month um, for the field. So what that will do is to provide a common framework for districts as they're thinking about how their own districts and eventually schools are structured to support all students and then provide necessary care for students who uh, might need it within school or whose needs might go beyond what a school could um, provide. So we're very, very excited. And this grant has been the first time that we've been able to focus specifically on school-based mental health professionals, inclusive of counselors, school social workers, and school psychologists. And as educators, we know how important professional development is um, for, for growth. And so with these funds, we've really had an opportunity to think very specifically about what types of professional development are needed for the field to grow and develop um, and feel like they're making the most of their skills and uh, certifications. I think that's really awesome. You you found a way to make sure that it is beneficial to everyone. And I, I'm excited to, to hear where that goes for you all. So what need were you trying to address when you started in this? Well, why did you decide to do this? So currently in many of our districts in Rhode Island and statewide, there are no role-specific PD opportunities for school mental health professionals. So this initiative is really focusing on that capacity building for our mental health professionals, especially as the field is just rapidly changing and the needs of our students are rapidly changing and they're growing. So we want to support these professionals to be able to meet the needs of our students. So this past March, I partnered with our school counselor specialist here to do a statewide professional development survey for all of our school mental health professionals to learn a little bit more about what people are hoping for and wanting in professional development. And what came out of that survey was we learned that people really want more one, number one, like role-specific professional development opportunities. So they want to be in partnership and in community with the, the other school mental health professionals. And they want to learn more about how to effectively use school-specific interventions with students. So this initiative is really focusing on the role-specific, so like these PD opportunities will be for school counselors, school social workers, and school psychs, primarily them. But if other professionals want to join, I think it's helpful for them to learn. But really, our primary audience is school mental health professionals. And then the other goal is to support that capacity building in those school-based interventions. This is great. I think the role-specific aspect of this, I mean, this is something we hear a lot at Nestle from grantees across the country that there is this need to really define these specific mental health roles within the school. So that's great that you're 
not only defining them, but then getting into the professional development for each specific role. So then our next question is, and it's a bigger one, how did you do this? Who was involved in the process of this professional development and, and you know, what does that look like? Yeah, so we did this professional development survey, which I, I partnered with our school counselor specialist, who is actually part of a different division at the state level. Um, so we've been doing a lot of partnership throughout the state level, trying to like mimic that to go to district and then schools. And we had about 30% of certified professionals respond, which is really exciting. And then for each uh, profession, it was about 30% of that profession responded. Another strategy that we've been using for this like role specific initiative and like the roles and responsibilities. I feel like we talk about roles and responsibilities all of the time <laughs> here, especially with the school mental health professionals, because their roles are very similar and the training is similar, but they're also very different. So another initiative and strategy that we're doing is convening the School Mental Health Professional Association. So we've been partnering with the Rhode Island School Counselor Association, the Rhode Island School Psychologists Association, the Rhode Island School Social Work Affiliates, and um, in our state we have the Rhode Island Student Assistance Services, um, and they are student assistant counselors who focus primarily on prevention services in schools. So we've been meeting to discuss the different types of roles and responsibilities for each of those professions and how to effectively partner and team within the school building. And can can I just add oh, yeah, that you can. I just thank you, <laughs> uh, that you know this this idea of bringing together the school based professional organizations and talking about and kind of providing clarification around roles and responsibilities among those professional associations, I think is, has really been so critical because if we wanna be able to communicate as, uh, as a group and as you know, for people with uh, similar professional interests, it's really, really important for the members of those school-based mental health uh, professional groups to have clarity around that before we can begin to communicate, you know, within schools, with school administration, uh, et cetera. So that has been really key. Yeah, and I think another point too is traditionally these roles have worked in silos in their buildings and the work that we're doing really is pushing people together to break those silos. So traditionally a school social worker is only working with their case caseload and they're not really interacting with the other members of their team. And what we're trying to do is really focus on that interdisciplinary teaming in schools through this work of um, role-specific PD. Right. I think that's such a huge aspect of it is making sure that you're engaging the different groups and also breaking down those silos so that the information sharing goes across all the roles and even across, you know, different schools within the school district. And I think that's such an important aspect of it that you are working towards engaging everyone and engaging them together. Throughout the process, were there any lessons learned that you wanted to share with others who might want to do this in the future? So, well, I, I think a, a key lesson learned is listen to the field. 
So this idea that uh, Bianca had um, in partnering with Anna in our, our college and career uh, readiness work and with the, the school counselors to ask the question, you know, what is it that you need is really, really key, right? Because that's how you engage um, people when when you're asking the question and people are feeling like they're being heard. And there really was a big need for it. And, you know, just anecdotal evidence for the last few weeks, there have been a, a series of professional development offerings and, you know, people are coming in what would be, you know, considered their summer vacation time, but they're making time to access this professional development because it's, so needed and to be able to network with colleagues with you know similar interests and roles across districts has been really important as a general rule with the grants that we have including these two we really work to meet districts where they're at so with each of the grants and the districts that have been a part of each one we've been able to establish uh, cohorts across those districts but also working individually with districts because each district you know has different needs each district has different ideas about other, you know, recruitment, retention, re-specialization um, strategies. And just as one example, one LEA added more leadership positions to kind of create a career ladder for school-based mental health professionals. So in similar ways where districts might appoint teacher leaders, people who are, want to take on more leadership roles, but may not be interested in a traditional school administration position, you know, for whatever reason, at that point in time, there's a, a career ladder for people to think about um, that growth. And then those uh, professionals can also play a role in school in helping to discern professional development needs for staff to help make staff aware of different professional development opportunities that are available through these grants, either through the state level or within their own communities. That's great. And you touched on this a little bit, Rosemary, but I, before I ask the final question, I do want to give both of you or either of you the opportunity, is there one specific impact you've seen from this professional development? And it can be as specific or broad as, as you want, just to share with the listeners. One of the themes that came out of the survey, the March survey, was that our mental health professionals wanted opportunities to meet together in community. And I think these past couple of weeks, has just inherently provided them the opportunity to meet and learn together and just share ideas about what is working and what's not working in their communities and their practice. And I think something else, so this summer, what we've been doing is we've partnered with the American School Counselor Association. So these PD opportunities on the surface are targeted toward school counselors, not towards school psychologists or not towards school social workers, but we've been marketing these professional development opportunities for all three of those professions. And we've had a few of the, from the two different professions come to these school counselor 
professional development opportunities and have very like valuable conversations with the school counselor. So it's just going back to that interdisciplinary practice, like, oh, even though like this is a school counseling PD, school psychologists and school social workers also benefit from learning about the school counseling programs at their school, because even if they're not managing the school counseling program, they are being impacted by it. And they, they're just continuously working together in a flow. Um, and I think it's just been so invaluable for these professionals to come together and see how they're working together and how similar their roles are. And I would just add too that that, that is a role of state government to, to, to look at need and then to be able to convene people with like interests. So with sometimes people mistakenly think about, you know, state departments as regulatory and there is some of that but that's at the heart of it that's not really our our purpose or and it's certainly not our main focus and to be able to use you know the purview that we have the funding that we've been able to secure the fact that usdoe actually saw the role of a state department of education as critical to support mental health in schools, all of those pieces, right, kind of pr provide that opportunity for us to bring people together, to be able to share that information, to be able to provide um, some, some structure, some lessons learned from other states and certainly within the, the cohorts that we're a part of through these school-based mental health grants has been really significant. So I, I think that, you know, by bringing people together, it, you know, it goes back to the listening. Okay, we, we know the data, we can read the research and, you know, but, but what's happening for you like right now and how do we, you know, use this as an opportunity to move it forward, right? Because USDOE wants to learn, Nestle wants to learn, we want to learn, the, the schools want to learn, right? So it's really an incredible opportunity that we have here. Yeah, and just speaks to the, the goal in general of school mental health and supporting students. While it's important to define these specific roles and have role-specific development, I mean, we're all working towards the same thing, which is supporting students. Right. So yeah, thank you for that. And then as kind of our last specific question, where do you plan to go from here with this? Oh, there's, there's so much. We're really, really <laughs> excited about what's coming uh, next. You know, kind of starting uh, back to where we started with professional development and how significant that is for, you know, the, the education profession, um, the, the department as a whole, we're looking at trying to kind of streamline some requirements around PD so that it's more uniform across districts. So whether that's through legislation or, you know, some other mechanism during the pandemic, we had a statewide calendar that included specific professional development days that all districts followed. And now that, you know, we're out of the pandemic, in the pandemic, things have kind of reverted back. And that's a, a real missed opportunity because even professional development days across districts vary. So, you know, never even mind having role-specific professional development. So working on um, building 
that piece because we see across the department how important that is. Do you want to talk about the Educate 401? Sure. Yeah. So we are working on an educator recruitment and retention website. I totally stole this idea from Virginia. So <laughs> shout out to Virginia. Thank you for the inspiration. And our website will be focusing on the four different professions. So we're adding classroom teachers and we are partnering again with our division of teaching and learning to really focus on the hard to fill professions. So classroom teachers, school-based mental health professionals, and we're going to be highlighting our seven LEAs that we're working with. That should be launching September I think it's 13th. So educate401.edu coming your way. And we're really excited about that. For cohort two, we are partnering with the Equity Institute in Rhode Island. So for the second school-based mental health services grant, we applied for the second competitive priority, which is to increase diverse mental health professionals in schools or hiring professionals from those local communities. And the Equity Institute will be working with us to support, again, professional development on equity um, in schools and supporting kind of like the creation of a, currently the Equity Institute has this program called the TA to BA program. So it is a career pathways program and we're hoping to work with them on creating a similar program, but specifically for school mental health professionals and breaking down barriers to get getting into the field, which we know it's, it is a hard field to get into. You have to have a master's degree in order to be a school mental health professional, and they'll be supporting us with that um, and the creation of affinity groups. So it goes back to that community building too that we're working mm -hmm. on here. The other pieces that we're pursuing are working with our Executive Office of Health and Human Services on the Medicaid waiver to expand coverage to all students who are Medicaid eligible regardless of their IEP status. And as part of that, we, so some of the professionals like social workers and of course our school nurses who are licensed by our Department of Health would already be included in that. Our school psychologists though were different in that they are not licensed by the Department of Health, but they're certified by the Department of Education. There was legislation passed in our last session that included school psychologists as Medicaid eligible. So that was something that we thought was going to be a little bit further down the road, uh, but that was a nice surprise from our legislature and certainly really needed because we see that in terms of sustainability as a way that districts will be able to sustain the school-based mental health professionals um, that they have. And with this funding and focus on mental health, we are at the ratios, the professional association ratios with other mental health professionals, but not with school psychologists. So we see this too as a way to increase the number of school psychologists as well, but also caution that we really want to focus on need. So having those recommended ratios, I think is a, a good benchmark. And it also shouldn't be a place where we stop. 
right? Because we need to be looking at what the needs of the students are, what the needs of the school community are, and think about the types of school-based mental health professionals we need to help meet those yeah. needs. And then finally, we're working with our higher ed partner on more seats for students in the school psychology program. So there's, you know, considerations at the higher ed level in terms of, you know, the number of full-time faculty that they have, the number of seats that they can accommodate, those sorts of things. But we've started a conversation with the school psychology program at Rhode Island College, who is our, our partner in this work to see how we might be able to leverage opportunities to bring in uh, more students to that profession, because we know that there's interest and there's just not the seats. You have a lot of big things coming. That's good. I think it's it's good to spread out, you know, where you're getting your resources and ideas from. And it's important too to be thinking about that sustainability piece already and making sure that you're beneficial and keeping the programs running long-term. So I well, I think too, you know, we always talk about, I'm sorry, Brianna, I, no. I, when, when, you know, you, you write a grant such as the school-based mental health grant that, you know, you, you, you have data and, you know, you have information and you kind of have what you have and, you know, you, you pull it together and, you know, talk about from the, the point of what you know, but it's actually once you get the award and begin interacting with people and doing the work that you uncover other parts of the workforce system where, oh, okay, we didn't realize that existed, or we didn't realize that was a need, or, oh, okay, this is an important finding. So if, if we didn't have those funds, we wouldn't be engaging in those conversations and figuring out, okay, we have these partners now, we have these grants for a certain point in time. What are our, our opportunities to collectively leverage that? You always have to begin with the end in mind. Absolutely, right? You, you wanna have an idea of what you're doing, but I think also being able to adapt as you learn new information is, mm -hmm. is so critical to keeping these programs afloat and making sure you're meeting everyone's needs. All right. Well, as we close, we just wanted to offer you the, the space to say any final takeaways that you want to share with all the listeners. So, well, we we really have looked at these grants uh, as an opportunity to build our collective capacity to support school-based mental health professionals and um, specifically in this way, supporting them through professional development. We are really appreciative of the fact that this grant opportunity has been about collective learning from, you know, the federal government, from to the state government, to our local education agencies. And, and that's really been a helpful framework to share with our, um, our LEA partners, right? Because it allows us some flexibility to, to really think big and, and think boldly about where we could go with this, right? Because it's a, a time-limited opportunity. So um, that piece is really exciting and it's not, it, it's not lost on us. And I think that it really helps to foster and seed that kind of 
innovation. Uh, the fact that we have someone like uh, Bianca at the helm, uh, who's managing all of this work and is the main point of contact right now with, with all of our LEAs and is someone who came from uh, a school-based experience and, and leadership role there, I think has been really critical as well. Thanks, Rosemary. <laughs> well, thank you both so much for sharing about your professional development strategies and the success that you've had and will continue to have. I think listeners will definitely be able to take a lot from, from this episode and really looking forward to seeing where this goes. And we'll definitely be linking your website when it when it launches so that listeners can can take a look at that. So thank you again, both of you, you. for taking time out of your days to, to be here with us. Thank you, Annie and Brianna. In Session is brought to you by the National Center on Safe Supportive Learning Environments, or Nestle, at the American Institutes for Research. This podcast is funded by the U.S. Department of Education. If you'd like to learn more about Nestle, visit safesupportivelearning.ed.gov. For all questions or feedback, you can email us at nestle at AIR.org. Thanks for listening. Please note, the contents of this podcast do not necessarily represent the policy or views of the U.S. Department of Education, nor does it imply endorsement by the U.S. Department of Education.